to the Hot Stove Society Show on Cairo Radio. It's uh, Tom Douglas. Yay! Here we are. We're small but mighty around here this morning. Uh, Chef Terry is on a is on a jet to Portugal with uh, Charlie. What's what's the occasion? I think uh, Portugal is the occasion. Just like let's go drink some. Yeah, port. I think Charlie had rented a place over there and he invited Terry and Kathy along. So we're oh, going nice. to miss him for a couple of weeks. I'm oh. sorry to say. Uh, but we're excited to uh, have Bridget Charters, one of the uh, hi guys, one of the instructors Thanks. here at the Hot Stove Society, jumping in. You'll rem- remember her voice from her losing stints on the Food for Thought <laughs> Tasty Trivia Challenge. Whatever, because Tom. she is the most competitive loser I've ever met on that segment. Or winner, or winner. Did you ever win one? <laughs> of course. Oh, okay, okay. Just checking. <laughs> Uh, we are the Hot Stove Society Show, coming to you from the Hotel Andra here in downtown Seattle. Uh, landmarks around us, uh, 4th and Virginia. Lola yep. Restaurant is downstairs. Dalia Serious, Bakery across the street. Serious Pie. It's all, all in the neighborhood. Uh, we have uh, fun two people in our live audience. You know, you guys are going to have a delicious Yay! breakfast this morning. Coffee. Uh, all sorts of goodness uh, here today. Microgreens. We got some microgreens coming your way. Yeah. Now, if you don't feel good yet, you're going to feel really good after having those. Uh, Charlie's Produce is here. If you've ever want to follow one of their trucks, you'll see them come up right to our restaurants. Uh, secrets of paella. You know, Bridget, you teach a lot of paella classes here yep. at the Hot Stove, and uh, people are a little intimidated by paella, including me, because I'm too impatient for it. I, don't, I, I always want to turn my fire up too high. But you like drinking wine, don't you? I do. There you go. Bingo. Just relax. Chill out. Yeah, but I'm down to two glasses of wine a day. And, you know, oh. It just doesn't go very far. Oh, maybe a little water, glass of water to start. (laughs) Food in the news. You know, Martha Stewart's in the news. Uh, Costco food court is in the news. And uh, a birthday cake for somebody you don't like. How do you make and what do you make for a petty birthday cake? Because you're in charge, right? And you have to bring it. But you don't like the person you're bringing it for. What do you do? There's a lot of information. Okay, I got it. You got some ideas? Yeah. All right. Uh, it's dumpling time. Dumpling Fest is coming up here at the Hot Stove, and we're going to talk about that. Chef Annie and Bridget are going to do a little dumpling battle right here on the air. And, of course, we're going to wrap up our show today with Food for Thought Tasty Trivia uh, brought to you by Rub with Love Spice Rubs. Uh, we have a large show for you, as I said. Uh, Sean is over there on technical. Liz uh, has put the show sheet together. And Sean in uh, Cairo Studios is our editor the um, thing I don't want to miss today is uh, my good friends down at Mutual Fish have denounced that they're going to be Man. closing up shop as of September 16th after 76 or eight years in business. And, you know, like a lot of things, some things don't make me sad. They make me joyous for the experience and for the run that they've had. And people yeah. said that about my Dahlia Lounge. You know, oh, aren't you sad about your Dahlia? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little sad, but we had a really good run. Amazing. And I sent Harry a note, a uh, text the other day. It's like, wow, you have had an incredible run. And that should be celebrated and not be sad about it. You know? Right. And so um, I, I plan on going down there whenever I went down there to buy fish, uh, which was more often in the early days before we got to be a larger company and we could buy wholesale, right, in a bigger Amazing. way. Yeah. Uh, I would sit in the back and have just the worst coffee and the worst pastries and the best time 
sitting with the crew at Mutual back in the break room. And uh, just to my, uh, if you're looking at it going into the room, to my left was the smokers that they made their beautiful smoked salmon with. Oh, wow. And then all along the wall, there was this kind of homemade, maybe 25-foot-long fryer bath kind of thing. And they would make their fish cakes in there. And the whole back room would smell like fish cakes. And I always loved the deluxe fish, fish cakes with a little bit of crab in with the surimi, wow, and bean sprouts and green onions, and it was just so the, they pre-fried them and then chilled. Yeah, they were them made and cakes, and then they would chill them. They would fry oh, once or twice a week. And, I didn't know that. Yeah, and they uh, very few places actually did their own. They would buy them from fish cake factories, but Mutual always made their own, and it was just the best time. And Harry would just extol every time I would ask him, like, "What do you do with what do you do with this fish? What do you do with that fish?" Oh, well, you know. I steam it with a little garlic, a little ginger, a little soy sauce. And it would be the same thing every time with every fish. <laughs> and I still make that. I love the simplicity and deliciousness of that to this day. Because you taste the fish. In my home kitchen. Yeah, exactly. So Yeah, so they. when is the last day? Uh, the 16th. And you know, when Pam had to leave the show to go do Save the World down at the Pike Place Market, I was sad, but I was also joyous for her because I knew that that's what her last, uh, not her last wish, but that's she wanted it to be kind of her last job was to help help the nonprofit world. And so I was happy for her, sad for me. But, you know, in my happiness for her, I sent her a check so that I could help with the, the mission down there. Nice. So what I would say about mutual closing is don't be sad. Be happy for their run and go down before the 16th and buy a nice piece of fish and create your last memory with them. Celebrate uh, a fabulous 75 years or so and, right. and be joyous. And so. take them like a 12-pack of... Japanese beer, right? <laughs> I think they have plenty of beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we opened at Hot Stove, we had um, Mutual Fish. I always had Mutual Fish. I did, too, at Cafe Sport and stuff. But then, yep. you know, when you get to be a bigger company, you buy from who they buy from sometimes. And right. so uh, that's where we ended up. Uh, yeah. Because we were spending $100,000 a month on seafood. so No way. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. And that was just at Edda's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so anyway, so that's my taste of the week. Uh, do you have a quick one for us? I got a quick one, and that is, uh, as I was saying to Tom, my husband's been out fishing, and so every day we've had either pink or coho salmon for dinner. Mm-hmm. Every day. And we use your veggie rub on it. Nice. We grill it, and then we grill a piece of bread and pile a bunch of tomatoes and basil on it. Extra virgin olive oil, garlic on the bread. Boom. Lovely. Delicious. Dinner. Yeah. And uh, good. So I'll say one more thing about Mutual. If you go down to Mutual this week or next week uh, for their last week, get a piece of their kasu cod. Oh, Hopefully they still have some, but uh, that is where I learned to love the miso kasu cod. So. Nice. Fabulous. Okay, up next, we have Moshe Prasan coming in. Uh, he's a Jerusalem chef with a new cookbook out called The Eucalyptus Cookbook. On Cairo Radio, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Awesome.
Welcome back. It's the Hot Stove Society Show. Thank you for joining us today. Happy to be in your garden, in your car, in your backyard, wherever you happen to be on a jog, listening to us on a podcast or live on terrestrial radio. Uh, we're going to join uh, Mosh Basun, uh, Basan uh, over in, in uh, Israel. Yeah, he's in Jerusalem. Amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing place. My uh, Chef Mosh, my friends were there at your restaurant about a month ago, and they said it was amazing. So delicious. So I'm excited, uh, excited to have you here so we can cook with you here at the hot stove. It will be just great. And I'm so excited to talk to you. And also this book arrived after a really long, long pregnancy. And I'm so excited, like holding a, a new baby. And uh, I'm now grandfather, but uh, it's uh, thrilling me. Must be thrilling. I know uh, my daughter just had twins to make three grandchildren, and <laughs> so so exciting and so much work. Uh, so tell us about the eucalyptus cookbook. Uh, maybe its origins and why uh, you felt the need to put down in words uh, what you do at work every day. When I start doing what I'm doing under the eucalyptus tree that I really planted on Tubishvat, uh, the festival of nature and trees, like uh, not like 61 years ago. Soon it will be 62 in next to Bishvat. I wasn't going in the mainstream of restaurants and so Although my brother, he opened the restaurant under my tree using our home uh, where we grow up as a child, uh, as, a child uh, as a kitchen and we will serve in the balcony under the tree in uh, a hut for surrounding the tree. And he thought uh, like making food for the employees in the area and I joined him uh, to kid him and to consult him now he's kidding me and I took things from my mom kitchen and uh, and ma- much more mothers in in the region you know that I grow in an area on the border on the Jordanian border from one side and we used to have a bakery out there and uh, my dad, a religious Jewish uh, person, will allow them to uh, use the hot stove <laughs> in our bakery to bake their special foods for the Muslim high holidays. And I can see it, smell it, but I cannot touch it. I cannot taste it because it wasn't kosher. Kosher. By the years, I start to adapt these dishes to my kitchen. By that, I found that I'm using uh, the wild herbs of uh, Eretz Israel, of the land. And uh, when I found that uh, Zatar is hyssop, hyssop is the branch of Moses when they just left Egypt, or it's everywhere in the Bible. And then to find a path to the Bible and through the Bible to this ground. And as the very, very beginning, people will ask me, where were you trained? Which school? So I didn't know how to say it. I didn't. My my really great teachers were mothers and grandmothers, and my mom, Shetichie, and my grandma, and mothers from the region. I belong to a group called Chefs for Peace, and I'm studying from these guys that they went to the French, Italian, and modern cuisine, and I'm going to the cuisine of their mothers. And sometimes I will go to my colleague and take me to your mom, and I want to study 
another dish that I that he let me test and I say okay this is what I want how do you do it I say I don't know ask my mom <laughs> and uh, that's awesome so it's a cuisine that uh, lately became a sort of uh, the Israeli cuisine the new Israeli cuisine that every Israeli chef doing it abroad uh, I'm I can say and I will be not a modest I'm 73 now so I know myself uh, that uh, I entered to this cuisine of the mothers and the grandmothers and I brought it to the table and so you can just imagine that all the way people if it's chefs or just a uh, households and that want to cook this food was asking for the book and I would think why well, I, I like to write stories and I, I was writing stories and uh, short stories but not touching the the recipes uh, recipes is easy it's it's in my mind I can do it in in uh, two weeks all the book but it's not like that it took me some years I'm happy that Sharon my daughter entered to work with me and she took big part of the job on her shoulders and Michal from the other side both were pushing me consulting me and writing with me Sharon especially and uh, here it is well, it's, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to have you here at the hot stove on the 13th of October, Friday yeah. the 13th. Yeah, and this, can I say, we, yeah. we got this event through the um, Jewish Community Center over on Mercer Island. And uh, it's amazing. They do these beautiful book events. And so Chef Bassan is going to be coming and uh, doing a class there. But we got lucky, so we got him at hot stove. And he's actually going to be cooking with us for the class. So. Uh-huh. It'll be a demo only, and we'll get to taste about uh, six of his different dishes. It looks like uh, beetroot kuba, King Solomon couscous, uh, whitefish kebabs with uh, preserved lemon cream, and semolina cake with babusa kisses. And then we've got a couple of other items, so when guests arrive, yeah. Yeah. I told Annie, um, our director here, I said, oh, I, I need to go to Swanson's Nursery because I've got to buy some hyssop, get it planted, because we have some sunny weather and get a nice bush for you, chef. So we'll Good luck. Nice I was herbs. trying to find hyssop last week. It's hard to find <laughs> Anna's hyssop. Yep. You know, you must have a plant of hyssop in your garden and a sage. Okay. These two will really save you from anything out and will help you and will... Pick you up when you are down. A, just to the Sherbel, the manager of the restaurant was say was he came with see, this blue uh, uh, under his eyes and say mm, you didn't sleep tonight. Say yes, Ariana, my daughter, my my baby, she's having her teeth and she's crying and crying and she's not stopping. And say no, they can so boil it. And if you don't have, you can try to use oregano, but hisop is better. Let it. Boil and then make make ice cube from that, or put oh. a stick in the ice cube. So and let her have it. There is two effects: the cold ice will help from one side, but hisop, a leaf of hisop to any sore in your mouth, it will cure it immediately. Like it works like a magic. All right, Moshe. Uh, th- thank you so much. Uh, Moshe Basson is a Chef from uh, Jerusalem. The cookbook is called The Eucalyptus Cookbook. He has a class of demo here on Friday the 13th of October at the Hot Stove. 
and we look forward to sharing our kitchens with you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chef. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Have a wonderful morning. All right. Thank you. Next up, Emily Blessington from Farmbox Greens is going to be here for our Charlie's Produce Cultivating Fresh segment on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. A casket, what's a mama's basket? Some veggie links and some fish that stinks. Why, just the other day I went to grandma's house. Smelled like you conjured up a mouse. Eggs was frying, ham was smelling. In ten minutes, she started yelling. Come and get it! And the kittens look good. I said I shouldn't eat it, she said I think you should. But I can't. I'm plagued by vegetarians. We are farmers. We're back here in the kitchen at the Hot Stove Society Show. Bridget Charter sitting in for Chef Terry, who's hey, Tom. on a jet somewhere to Europe uh, no. with, with Charlie and So and excited. Courtney. Going to get some sun in the med. In the med. So uh, thank you, Bridget, for sitting in uh, for Terry this week. I believe next week he's, he's out, too. I think it's two Is he? Oh, yeah. I'd love to do it. Well, we'll see if how you're you, asking. We'll see how you're yeah, doing yeah. today, huh? It's an audition. Uh, audience, we'll see how she does today. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that. <laughs> All right. Emily Blessington is here from Farm Box Greens. She's part of our Charlie's uh, uh, produce segment every week, Cultivating Fresh. And these are certainly fresh. And I remember Charlie talking to me about the vertical gardening and maybe getting involved with it about 10 years ago. And it seems like he has done it. He sure has. Wow. <laughs> so Emily, tell us about what you brought today, because when I see these things out in the restaurant world at all the fanciest restaurant, they're kind of like a typically a finishing garnish for many dishes. And so well, people used to think that was like a little frilly. Now they actually get a mouthful of flavor and they realize it's super delicious. They are. Yeah. I brought... Pea shoots. I brought radish mix that has daikon, purple radish, and red stem radish. Mm-hmm. And then I brought red vein sorrel. Uh, and they all, you know, create different flavors, textures. Wow. Uh, they have different, I think mic- microgreens are really interesting because they provide a lot of nutrients too. Right. Why is um, that? More so than the. Yeah. Than anything else? Yeah, because yeah. they're they're the tiny versions of the plants, so they just have that concentrated. I see. You yeah. know, amounts of nutrients. So yeah. yeah, they're they're a great addition to you know things like tacos or on top of uh, really anything. Like yeah. they're, <laughs> they're not meant to great. be cooked. That's for sure because they're too no. delicate, right? Yeah, so, not yeah. too much. I mean, I think the only time that I've really seen them cooked is the pea shoots in stir fries and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's really popular and really tasty. Um, but they're they're good fresh. So yeah. go back to the beginning. How did you get started in this and, and uh, the, the relationship with Charlie's? And how do you grow these little things? Because it seems to me you'd have to be a miniature person to get down <laughs> low enough to cut these off the ground. <laughs> so uh, I got started five years ago. Uh, I was traveling around Europe and I was farming. Mm-hmm. And I figured out that I love farming and I want to do it full time. So I came back home to Seattle and I found Charlie's Produce, and they had a vertical farm uh-huh. called Farm Box Greens. And so I, uh, I started there at the entry-level position, and then I've kind of just worked my way up nice. throughout the years. And so... So what is vertical farming? Vertical farming, so we, we grow indoors. Okay. We grow hydroponically, so we grow just with water and nutrients and light. Um, and then we get to grow in like an urban environment. 
And so, so you could do that in a warehouse anywhere, really. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. How much space do you guys have there? I think it's uh, it's 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 a pretty small room. Um, I think it's like sixteen hundred square feet, mm-hmm. like in total for everything. So like the ground floor of a house, kind of. Yeah. And so do you just have like, okay, so to explain it. I'm confused. Okay. Do you have like <laughs> you a chain about? from the roof to the floor and it, things grow on a chain all the way up and down vertically? No, nope, we got two different uh, kind of systems. And so we, we uh, have different uh, levels. So we have 10 levels. Uh, they germinate first on these germination racks. And then after they're done germinating, we put them on the system and then they just get constant light water, nutrients, uh-huh. and then we pull them off uh, via ladder. So we are on a ladder a lot, and then we will bring them back down, harvest them in our harvest room with scissors. So most of them are hand cut. And oh, so you can we'll, stand up with your scissors. You don't oh, have to yeah. bend over. We don't have to go <laughs> into the farm and cut all of them. Uh-huh. We'll bring them into the harvest room, and then we'll yeah, they'll put them in packages, and then they're ready to go to So it's the vertical then is all about... A bit, not taking up a bigger footprint, right? right? You can just do the same thing all the way up to yeah. the sky. So they're, what are they, like big plastic trays full of water that we, you... Um, yeah, we grow on, on uh, these kind of smaller trays. Um, I think they're like, you know, four feet by like one foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just, you know, we got like a... Uh, <laughs> we grow on this kind of like uh, PLA compostable substrate. Okay. And then once we cut them, then we... So you just lay the seeds down and let them grow. That's it. Wow, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. You've seen, I've seen that substrate sometimes uh, and like the daikon radish packages. and Mm -hmm. and, Yeah, yeah. it's a pretty cool, pretty cool medium. So those are all, they're all hand cut. There's no mat. You're not growing them on little mats and then cutting the mat. Yeah, Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. But for peas, we just grow them on the tray themselves. They kind of create their own root map. Uh Uh-huh. And so it's it's very cool. Oh, and so you just trim that. That's neat. Mm -hmm. So if... If for our listeners that are listening to this, where could they buy these? Yeah, we so we do sell to retail and food service locations. Uh, we sell to Uwajamaya, we sell to QFC, uh, Met Market, mm-hmm. um, all those places. Neat. And they're just smaller packs than what we're yeah, seeing here. They're about half that size. Yeah, they come in a little clamshell like this, and. Hopefully compostable or recyclable. They are recyclable, uh, yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, because that makes me crazy when things are like fresh organic produce is packed in non-recyclable containers. Yeah. Makes me a little twisted. I, yeah. So, Bridget, you and I have used these sprouts for a million years. You never really saw them in retail mm-hmm. up until maybe the last five or eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do make an incredible salad thing. So if you're making like a, a right now peaches are at their peak Oh, or maybe just getting idea. a little past. But if you're making like a peach salad and you want some, uh, maybe some black pepper, some maybe muscatel vinegar, and then garnish with some of these little spicy radish sprouts, uh, that is the kind of perfect way to do it. Or the red vine sorrel is so pretty. I know it mm-hmm. tastes good too, but it's actually it's gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so those, that's kind of how I would use these. The thing is you can't, can't pre-dress too much. You kind of want to garnish with them because mm-hmm. they're very... Um, Delicate. Delicate. And yeah. the vinegar will cook them in an instant, mm-hmm. right? Or the olive oil will weight them down. Right. And so you, you really do kind of want to just finish with them. And uh, if you finish with these, like the red vein sorrel, and then finish also with some Malden sea salt with the big flake salt, you get that nice combination of salt and... So and, good. And uh, yeah. 
sour green right yeah, along together. Fun yeah, fun and citrusy. Yeah. yeah. Now, if we buy these at the stores, they're like a date on them that we should look for oh there it is no yeah for for the food service locations we we stamp the today's date when we harvest them uh-huh. um for retail locations we'll stamp uh it's basically 10 days more from. of a best buy mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and do they keep nice to just keep them in the fridge and they'll yeah. keep beautifully yeah you just oh, refrigerate cool. them and, and they'll keep for literally weeks i mean yeah. you might see a best buy date but i would open up the container and take a look because they keep for a long time yeah like like a lot of produce uh if as long as it's kind of in a humid humidified environment without a lot of airflow yeah it keeps really well Nice. And I've been, you know, everybody's tomatoes are coming in now. I've been doing a lot of tomato salad, so. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. So what other flavors do you have? I hear you brought peas, you brought a mixed radish, and you've brought the red vine sorrel. Yeah, we have, let's see, right now we're growing micro broccoli. Uh, We've got a marigold that's seasonal for for chefs right now what is uh, like a flower marigold yeah, uh-huh. yeah. and so you mean the grow, greens yeah we, we're growing marigold greens huh. uh and so they're it's fun and kind of tangerine orange flavor mm-hmm. um really good uh oh. and then we're growing let's see what else are we growing we got our intensity mix that has mustard greens and amaranth and uh, red cabbage and things like that um and then we got italian basil and cilantro Things like that. Right. So, I, you know, I guess I just didn't even know those things were out there. So no. uh, it's been a long time since I've been the one who orders produce. But if I was ordering produce. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think right. that would be super fun because. Well, yeah. What's that place cooks something in Ohio that you started the industry basically years ago. Cook's doing, Farm. Yeah. Cook's Farm. Right. And they had they started doing baby vegetables. Are you guys going to go that direction doing Little baby corn shoots or we baby do carrot grow, shoots. Yeah, we do grow corn shoots uh, for holidays. So we grow them for Easter, um, oh. which is pretty fun. Uh, but for little vegetables, I think we'll need a different system for that. Yeah. Um, but that would be really fun. That will take up a lot more space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that would be That's great. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's, and how are they selling? How... Great. Is it doing well? Yeah, you're, we're you're doing, employed, so I guess it's true. doing well, right? <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Well, I remember, you know, some of these things come along as fads, right? Like the va- the baby vegetable thing to me became a fad, and it has disappeared, and it's gone more towards organic. The sprouts came out at the same time, and they continue to kind of explode in with interest. I think. It, it, yeah, it's I, yeah. gone past the fad stage. Right. Well, remember back in the seventies, it was quote-unquote sprouts and it was alfalfa, alfalfa sprouts, sprouts yeah. and my mom used to put them on sandwiches and it was just like yeah. you know god and your now mo- your mom must have been friends with pam hinckley yeah <laughs> exactly uh, well emily thank you so much for coming and sharing the whole sprout culture with us we appreciate that thank you guys and thanks charlie for being our partner in this segment Uh, Up next, it's uh, Secrets of Paella with Chef Bridget Charters on Cairo Radio, Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. Shake it up twice, cook it and eat it cause it tastes so nice. 
Hey, we're back in the kitchen here hey. at the Hot Stove Society down at the Hotel Andra, downtown Seattle. Highly energized crowd this morning. Thanks uh, to everyone who showed up today, including Bridget Charters. Thanks, Sitting Tom. in uh, for Chef Terry on his way to Portugal. Wish him the best of times over there. What do we we do a lot of classes here at the Hot Stove. Some are public classes, you know, knife skills, how to break down a chicken, make coconut cream pie, masa masters. And we post those at the Hot Stove Society. Yeah. Dot com website. And then uh, one of the ones that we do here quite often, it's very popular both for a class and for a uh, dinner for like a corporate event. So we do tons of team builders here, too, where uh, groups hire us to kind of facilitate a cooking, uh, not necessarily, sometimes it's a competition, like a dumpling competition, or sometimes right. it's just dinner with uh, with the teammates, right? And, right? and everyone makes a paella dinner, and then they sit down and enjoy it afterwards. Yeah. So that seems to be the most popular thing on our class schedule. That and Italian classics, Tom. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So tell us about paella, because I've done this class with you quite a few times, and I always kind of beg off the paella station, <laughs> and I'll jump into empanadas, or I'll do what, you know some of the support dishes, because I generally just don't have the patience for paella. And so how do I gather that patience, or do I just always just leave it to you? And, and what do you tell people, uh, what's the most important part about making paella? Patience and following the steps. I don't have it. I know. I know. Well, (laughs) it's all about um, with making paella. What's so cool about it is that it's a national dish of Spain now, but it's from a very specific region, and they're trying to protect that region, just like in Italy, protecting balsamic vinegar or France protecting champagne. So this region, Barcelona, wants to protect paella. Now, if you go somewhere else in Spain, it's called arroz, arroz. And it can be whatever. And that's Tom likes to improvise. So he's the arroz guy. So what's the difference? So there's two classic so, paellas, oh, okay. a marisco. I see what you're be- so either when you it's, change it, you're improvising. You're not necessarily cor- not making paella. Correct. Okay. So either it's land or it's sea. And if it's land, there's no sea in that paella, as in S-E-A. So, but if it's, you know, vice versa. So the land-based paella, the classic paella is either made with rabbit, it's made with chicken, it could be made with duck. Uh, imagine workers sitting out in the field and back in the in the historic days, it was those Roman soldiers and they used their shields foraging in the fields and built a paella that way. So they, they inverted their shields, put them over a fire and slow cooked ingredients. So searing off the meats, adding some rice, adding a few vegetables and slow cooking it. So the tradition continues. They developed, the Spaniards developed a flat pan, um, and traditionally it was made of tin. And so now uh, you can buy different types of paella pans, and traditionally it's cooked over an open fire. And so it's great because it's super fun. Tom, you like cooking outdoors. I do. And over an open fire makes a little more sense to me, and I could be... Yeah. Just because the heat is a little bit a wider circle than a burner at, in your home kitchen. Right. And where I get into trouble is trying to make paella on a, right, like right here in a home kitchen burner. Right. That's got a, a circle of about six or seven inches, sometimes less. And you got a paella pan that's 15 Bigger. or 18 inches wide. And I so always, what, yeah. So what's the trick? Do you, so you I, can do it. You do it. I watch you do it all the time. So yeah. what's the trick? 
So on, if it's just, here we are in the Pacific Northwest, and it's not raining right now, but it's about to very soon. And if it's pouring rain, you don't want to go outside on your your gas grill, or you don't want to have to fire up your Weber barbecue with some nice wood and get those embers down. As I say to my, the guests, get those embers down to s'more level to build a beautiful paella. That's the temperature that you want it at. You don't want it just smoking hot because it'll burn your paella. The pans are thin. Okay. So So if they're doing it at home, if we're on the burner and here at hot stove, we're lucky because We've got this grill up front, or in the back, we've got the two burners. At home, you've got a burner. Either it's electric or it's gas. And if you can, turn both burners on, kind of medium, and cook that way. Two burners, and just keep rotating the pan. You're so just- that's the trick, is you, you really have to, you, you put it on low, but you, you go higher than low. But you have to be... You got to turn it up and down. You yeah, can't you, just you turn it, it on and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what we always say that's to guests at I, Hot I'm Stove. I'm bad at doing. Right. And yeah. it's tough with an electric. You could do it with induction, but you need... What's the metal? You the need steel, yeah. you know? Mm. So you'd need like a lodge cast iron uh, style paella pan. And you could do it on induction, but you got to play the temperature going up and down. All right. right? So I have a, a five or six inch burner. I've got a 15 inch wide paella pan. I'm just, am I working the edges with the burner? Am I pulling yep. it that far You're pulling far the off? pan, you're pulling the pan around and you're using that back burner okay. and rotate, just rotate the pan and you get practice at the beginning because you're sweating onions, you're sweating your bell peppers and getting those cooked to that proper caramelization and adding your tomatoes for that sofrito base. Mm-hmm. So you get a little bit of practice getting that temperature just right. Right. You and know. then the, the saccharat. Now, the, the key to paella is the saccharat. What right. is that? The saccharat is that crust that develops on all paellas, and it's prized by the Spaniards. That's what they go after, is that beautiful crust that's got a perfect amount of smokiness to it. And you're a technician, Tom. I know you love this kind of stuff. Just getting that beautiful, nice crust. So the key is the crust is on the bottom. Right. Not the top. Burnt, think of crust. Crust. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the crust is on the bottom and burnt is burnt. We know what burnt is, right, yeah, gang? Yeah, it's scorched. Yeah, it's friggin' burnt. It's yeah. burnt, right? So what you want to do is just go slow and then slowly turn the heat up to get that crust to develop. And you can feel it when you're cooking that paella. Now, the thing is, Tom, the other secret is, is that once you add that rice in and you add your first edition of stock, you can't stir the paella anymore. Yeah, see, that's another one of my problems. You can shake the pan. You got to just have a sip of wine and just look at it and assess and give the pan a little shake as you're adding that stock but you in. Can, you can stick your wooden spoon in to feel if you've started to develop Correct. your, your Correct. Yeah. And if you feel like, oh, man, I haven't really gotten there, then right before you're ready to serve it, it's a good way to dry the surface of the paella because for a traditional beautiful paella, you've got that beautiful kind of dried out top and a bit of caramelization of the stock around the outside edge. But you can feel that socarat and you can smell it. You can smell it. Because it starts to smell like caramel. Right. And it starts to smell a little bit toasty, like, Uh uh uh-oh, this smells like it's starting to burn a Uh little bit. Perfect. That's what you want. You want that smoke. But you don't want to go past that point. Burnt is burnt, Tom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's tricky. And so you're just constantly rotating the pan. You take a deep breath. You relax. 
You go get a nice glass of Rioja or Tempranillo, Mm -hmm. and you just get your guests going on that and just watch the temperature of the pan. And then, okay, so now we've got our socarat. It's all cooked. You've checked your rice to make sure it's not too al dente. Correct. Uh, And then you've, uh, for the last five minutes, it seems to me like you put a little piece of parchment over the top or something. Or what you can do. You you have the fire off at that point. No, we leave the fire on low, and we just use a little piece of foil to kind of capture the the heat from the pan so that those last few items across the top surface dry out a little bit. Those green beans cook just a touch more. So you're capturing a little bit of that steam. You're not covering it because then it's going to steam and get gummy, and we don't want that. The other trick that we do is we pop it into the oven for the last few seconds to dry it out it right. should not be soupy that's your paella uh, you go guys tutorial go. for the day yeah food in the news next uh, the dumpling brothers chef jose garcon and the team we're going to talk about national dumpling day and annie and bridget will talk about dumpling fest no. and the upcoming classes here perfect. at the hot stove society awesome. show Cairo Great. radio 97.3 fm if I knew you were coming, I'd bake a cake, bake a cake, bake a cake. If I knew you were coming, I'd bake a cake. Hot you do, hot you do, hot you do. All right, we're back here at the hot stove. Everyone is eating breakfast, having some mochi donuts, some Dahlia Bakery sandwiches. It's a hot cup of coffee, some uh, toasted shallot mustard. All sorts of goodness going on here in the hot stove kitchens. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a good time listening in. Uh, Bridget yeah. Charters is sitting in for Hi, Chef, Tom. Chef Terry today. And uh, I just wanted to say uh, those who came to our Maui fundraiser last week, yeah, super fun. We had delicious dinner and uh, lots of good thoughts and feelings for the f- sad story that came out of Lahaina right. and Maui. I think we raised close to ten thousand dollars for oh, the good. Maui Strong. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, the Maui Strong Fund. So sweet. Uh, very uh, thankful to those who showed up and participated because we could put it on all day, but without people showing up, right? Uh, it was a good party. Yeah, it was we a good had a party. good time. Uh, we've got so much to talk about this hour, including food in the news. I have three little <laughs> stories, Chef, to to share with you. One is uh, Martha Stewart is in the news again. I know that's a shocking development. And this time it's not for being with uh, Slim, not Slim Shady. Who is she with? Uh, Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Look right. at our, even our audience members know that. They Martha know. Is Snoop I know. Dogg. Martha is in hot water over her cold beverage. I know. On August 28th, posting a series of magical images from the Swan Hellenic cruise around Greenland, Stewart wrote, we actually captured a small iceberg for our cocktails tonight. For many, it's cause to parody Stewart and other fancy foodies like Ina Garten. And I don't consider myself a fancy foodie, but I'll, th- I'll throw my hat in the ring. Oh. If, you can't, if you can't find fresh icebergs for your cocktails, store-bought is fine, is what some people said online. And many commenters took a more serious issue with the lifestyle maven, neglecting to mention climate change and the alarming retreat of the glacier fjords behind her. Correct. But Correct. I just enjoyed it for what it was. It's just nonsense. Martha Stewart reaching into the the water and doing that. Uh, Story number two, Bridget. Okay, let's go. A a well-known influencer, Jasmine Bell Pack, who I'm giving a little bit of time to myself, uh, took a bit of a hiatus from posting about far-flung adventures to celebrate her birthday 
in a way that feels like uh, likely feels like home to many. On both her Instagram and TikTok accounts, Pack posted about her Costco-themed birthday party. Wow. Wait a minute, though. She celebrated her 28th birthday with a big box bonanza. Things from, uh, she says, the things from my Costco-themed birthday party that just makes sense, reads the text on Pack's TikTok. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what that is. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it was really fun. Honestly, everyone's doing Barbie this year, and I was like... Uh, it's weird. I'm doing Costco instead. So I'm very happy, Jasmine Bell tells. Uh, Pack's birthday cake, uh, a Costco staple, was topped with a custom Kirkland signature sign. Uh, at the FETS location, a slide leads partygoers into a pool f- filled with hot dog, pizza, and rotisserie chicken pool floats. Wow. Ain't no party like a wholesale party at Costco, I can tell you that, she said. But the good times didn't stop at the food with Pac's uh, guest really leaning into the theme. In a follow-up video, the influencer highlights the effort her friends put into their outfits. Some gre- guests dressed like Costco employees. There's a, a, a khaki Co- and a red vest there. Huh? Right. Did, hey, Tom, did Costco pay for this party? No. She what? says no, she wasn't paid a nickel for this. Wow. She and her fiancé wore T-shirts with an image of Costco's famous... $1.50 hot dog on them. I think she's trying to get money for the future, maybe. Well, I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe somebody could tell us. But she says a value party like this is what her generation loves. I didn't know that. I should have opened the hot dog stand. <laughs> you still can. I still could. You still can, Tom. <laughs> Why not? Uh, story number three, and thankfully the last story of today's food in the news... A woman asked to, uh, was asked to bring a birthday cake for a relative party who she doesn't like. She doesn't just not care for them. She hates them. Whoa. But Whoa. she's well known for her homemade cakes and cookies and things like that. So she was asked to bring the cake. And uh, insult to injury, she was asked only 24 hours prior to the party to bring the cake. And so she, she went no. online oh. and... and uh, asked her Instagram friends what to make for a, a relative that you loathe. What would be a good petty, P-E-T-T-Y, not party, petty cake to bring? So there are lots of interesting comments there. Do you have a thought on what you would bring if, well, you, were I was, to, if you, you were to bring a cake? You, I know. You asked me, and I would buy one of those nasty cake mixes with the canned frosting and make them one of those. That seems like a lot of effort for somebody you don't really care for. you got to come up with a cake, right? Yeah. you got to bring a cake. I mean, I guess Somebody said, ah. Oh. Go to Costco? They brought a salad, and they said, oh, I thought you said salad, not cake, so that the birthday... <laughs> Jerk would not have a cake on their birthday. That's a good one. That sounds mean. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Have him write uh, something. Congratulations on your bar mitzvah. Get a a discount cake because they screwed it up. So what she decided to do uh, in taking all the advice of all the people that shared, uh, she wrote wrote and shared a (laughs) stunningly low effort cake picked up from Walmart. Grocery store cake with a clearance sticker on it. <laughs> Walmart's even better than Costco. And then uh, the blank, she won't even write his name, written his name with a period instead of an exclamation point. 
It will still taste decent to other partygoers, not bitchy enough to get anyone in trouble. My own personal touch, she said, was these rainbow candles because he's homophobic. Black gel letters, a.k.a. the most unfestive. Perfect. That is good. I was thinking, like, put sand on top. Like a fine no, dusting of sand. That's inedible. You can't, you can't really do anything with that. Just go, what? What? Play dumb. No. Nothing, you know. Nothing. You don't want to kill anybody. Uh, you wouldn't kill him with a little bit of sand. Don't get mad, get even. Wow. I think getting even is a Walmart cake with an expired sticker on it is pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, anyway, I thought that was kind of fun oh, to think about. God. How could you be as petty as possible? Uh, okay. It's now time for uh, <laughs> National Dumpling Day when we come back on Cairo Radio. It's the Hot nice. Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. I'm a Costco queen. I'm a Costco queen. While waiting for my one-hour photo, I got a kosher hot dog and a soda for a buck fifty. Yeah, yeah, such a deal. A kosher dog with sauerkraut, such a steal. Got prescription Valentino sunglasses. We're back here in the kitchen on hour number yeah. two of the Hot Stove Society Woo. Show. Thank you for joining us. My partner and chef, uh, Eric Tanaka, is joining for this segment, uh, Bridget and I. Yeah. We do a lot of dumpling challenges here at the oh Hot Stove Society Show. So, so many. many. And you're going to talk about us, yours and Annie's little battle in the next segment. But the first segment, uh, we were expecting Jose Garcon uh, from Latinx Street Food. He went home sick, so we're going to just get my partner. You and Jose were going to do a little dumpling battle. Is that right? I'm not sure so much a battle, but, uh, you know, he's a, he's a really personable guy. And I met him actually on a, a food panel uh, about six months ago. Uh-huh. So. We kind of just hit it off, and it would have been, it's going to be fun for us to do it together. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So it's September 26th, is National Dumpling Day, and uh, the hot stove will be kicking it off with Dumpling Fest, Dumpling Bros. Dumpling that would be bros. you and Jose. Oh, my God. <laughs> which is a demo and a dinner with chefs Jose Garzon and Eric Tanaka. So that's the 26th, if anybody wants to join up for that. So Jose grew up in Ecuador and spent 14 years as a touring musician, uh, before opening a pop-up of Latinx street food dumplings that became wildly popular. E.T., you and I have been running restaurants for a lot of years. Lot. Isn't it interesting to see all these little food trucks or pop-ups turn into brick-and-mortar restaurants? Yeah. And I think, you know, he's still really mostly all pop-up. Uh-huh. He's based out of another restaurant, the Black Cat, so he works out of there but really is just popping up everywhere else. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's kept that spirit and that style. And uh, for him, you know, it's a, it's a model that works and he enjoys that lifestyle. Right. So it is definitely a lifestyle. I know when food trucks became, you know, they've been hot everywhere around the country. Portland, mostly when we first started seeing them a lot. But uh, the idea of standing in a food truck all day bent over, I just could never get behind it as a large person. Oh. So. Uh, good for them is what I yeah, say. Have yeah. fun. But it's exciting because, you know, the the uh, pieces that you can put through there, it's pretty amazing as well. Just like the different uh, things that are happening. It was obviously important. There was a huge one pre-pandemic. Right. Just all the pop-ups and food carts and things going through there were right. pretty exciting. But you guys, you two would appreciate 
the fact that they're starting a business in a cheap food truck, right? Yeah, no, and totally. It's a, it's a springboard. Well, I know? went to one last night. I went to Hamdi last night over in uh, Freelard, and uh, that started as a pop up too. I think. Yeah, yeah. How well, was that's it? a way yeah. to test your concept, yeah. right? Before yeah. a huge capital outlay, uh-huh. you can jump into a farmer's market and just see what the response is right mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Yep. So, all right, tell us about some of the dumplings that you and Jose are going to be making. Uh, you know, I, I can barely speak to what uh, Jose was doing <laughs> because it was kind of a secret. So not that it was a battle, but, you know, uh, he's busy and was getting it all together. But I know some of it is, is really represented, you know, by uh, more the chief of culture. So it's like Which a Peruvian, yeah, Peruvian Cantonese Chinese mashup. I think there was a big uh, immigration pushed there, you know, in the early 1800s and kind of developed this regional cuisine. So it's uh, what he grew up with and and holds dear to him and Uh is a big part of what he's doing, you know, as far as that Latinx street food Uh piece that he's doing. So my guess is he's taking a dumpling and he's dipping it in an egg batter and deep frying it is what the one of his dumplings. I mean, that's what an egg egg roll is. And so it's uh, essentially the same idea as... but what yeah. about the ingredients from there too, right? Well, yeah, it's it's you know obviously Ecuador is pretty tropical, and yeah. yeah, you're making a plain pot sticker because you spent some time in Italy and are in love with that kind of yeah, braised a... milk braised pork mm-hmm. that's in plain or, or that's one of the ingredients you can make a little pinch pasta out of. Yeah, so I was up in uh, you know in Barolo, and uh, plain is just indigenous to that area of. of Italy, obviously. So this is my little mashup of uh, kind of a Japanese-Italian mix-up of, uh, you know, the, the plain filling. So that milk-raised pork uh, into a pot sticker shape and then cooked out that way. Uh-huh. So kind of uh, I, I made them uh, for a pop-up that I was going to do with my kids. Oh. <laughs> we, we are at some point. We just haven't got to it. But uh, we did some recipe testing. It was really fun and good. Uh, so it's something, you know, I, I loved being in Italy and, you know, just being Japanese American. It's uh, yeah. kind of bringing that to, to the fore. Sounds delicious. So a plain, you know, in my mind, a plain filling is really soft and, and um, pasty in a funny way. How do you take that into a much bigger dumpling like a pot sticker without it being just a big pile of mush? I actually made them more plain shaped so they're thinner. Oh, okay. It's not a traditional pot sticker. I see. Uh, but it's it's more uh, rectangular, uh-huh. more plain like looking. So it, I, I totally understand what you mean. Like that squishiness, the, that that texture is really not the same as like a steamed pork. Right. Filling. So what we're talking about is P L I N. If you want to look them up online or something, but they uh, they're like a pinch, right? You mm-hmm. you put the pasta in, uh, lay the pasta sheet out pipe in a little filling, and then pinch the edges into almost like a bow. Yeah. Uh, and that's called a plein. So, so steamed or sautéed? Uh, both. You know, you'll start them out in oil, throw in some water, Get some put brown on, on. Oh, yeah. cool. So it's crispy and steamed at the same time. And mm-hmm. are you going to use a dumpling dough, or are you going to use a no, plein dough? No, sticker wrappers. Really? Hot sticker yeah. wrappers. Oh. Yeah. The other one that I've had that you've made before is a... Miso matzo ball soup. So, you know, dumplings are worldwide. Sometimes I think yeah. they people want to put them in Asia. Uh, but, you know, there's there's dumplings all over. Every country has their version of a chicken and dumpling. You know, there's every country has a version. So a miso matzo ball soup, that uh, takes care of some of your love for Jewish food. 
And, uh, you know, my first wife was Jewish, so uh-huh. <laughs> there's a little basis there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once again, I think just mashing up, you know, miso, chicken soup, like that whole kind That's of awesome. diaspora there and, and, you know, mashing those two up. And it's just, it's once again, I think fun and really kind of stays within the the kind of body of, of a miso soup, but also with the matzo ball. So fun, simple, uh, and I think, you know, not totally expected. It's a, it could be a soup dumpling, right? It is a soup dumpling. Matzo ball is like, a dumpling. No, but I mean not, an actual not like soup oh, dumpling. Yeah. That's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's Like a xylem bao. That's brilliant. Yeah. 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 So traditionally, miso soup is made with a dashi broth, yeah. the Japanese tradition. But Jewish uh, soup is a chicken broth yeah. with schmaltz on top. So how did you mash those two together? Uh, I make a chicken dashi and also shiitake. <laughs> <course> do. <laughs> so yeah, chicken bones, dashi, and then... So dashi uh, being seaweed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Delicious. That sounds great. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I think it's pretty good. So and a little bit of mustard green on there to cut that. Your wife, uh, Danica, was evacuated out of Ukraine right before the invasion. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you're doing a little tribute to... Uh, Ukrainian food, too. Yeah, so I'm going to do a little farmer's cheese dumpling. So oh, Delicious. Sour cream. <laughs> Everything's sour so cream. So you mix uh, cheese, like a, a just a, a... Cheese flour egg, spice it up, and then serve uh-huh. it with the... What kind of, of dough butter. is on that? What kind of dough? Yeah. It's not a dough. It's just, you know, kind of like more like a chicken dumpling. Oh, it's more like you just to drop in the soup yeah, kind of dumpling. dumpling oh. Yeah, drop dumpling, yeah. Okay. Um, and, you know, I think we've... Not, not a lot, but, you know, with, with Danica being in Ukraine, she was interested in the cuisine. So, you know, we'll eat that, eat around on that. So mm-hmm. that Tell people great. where you shop because you, you shop for those Eastern European groceries all the time. What's your favorite shop uh, for that? I go to George's because uh, it's also right by my Asian Mart. Uh-huh. I have Asian Family Mart right, right on 130th and Aurora and then okay. right up the street like a block is uh, George's at European Foods and... Uh, you know, it's essentially a Ukrainian market and they have a tiny little like five seat restaurant. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh. And the, the, the gal there does everything, cooks the food, your waiter, like, <laughs> you know, and everything. Awesome. She does everything. She has cakes, she has pastries, bread. Oh, that's so Well, if you want to join us for Dumpling Fest, Dumpling Bros, B-R-O-S, uh, here at the hot stove, got to go online, buy a ticket. It's September 26th. Uh, I'm trust Jose will be feeling better by then. And you can join E.T. and Jose uh, in their Dumpling Bros. Challenge. Perfect. That sounds great. On Cairo Radio, more awesome. dumplings when we come back. Uh, it's the Hot Stove Society Show, 97.3 FM. P-O-T-A-T-O, potatoes. I woke up this morning and I said to myself, Gotta eat me some fine popsticles. So I opened the freezer Grab the bag off the shelf So I can make me some fine popsticles Here we are, it's the Hot Stove Kitchens right here in downtown Seattle. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully you're homemaking dumplings as we talk about Dumpling Fest oh, coming man, up on the 26th. Uh, of this, uh, this particular battle is uh, the 29th. And right. uh, Bridget, uh, you are in charge of taking down the executive director here at the hot stove, Annie Elmore, uh-huh. better known as Edna Mode, <laughs> when she puts her glasses on, <laughs> of the Invincibles. And um, tell, me, uh, tell me about your guys' uh, challenge that you've been putting on with each other. Well, we were going back and forth in the office when this whole dumpling fest got hatched. 
And this came from something you had going, right? Some kind of dumpling fest that was going on at the ballroom, Thanks right? Thanks for your support. Yeah, some kind of dumpling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Seattle Classic. I know. We had 300 people how, there. How many years? 20 different dumplings. Oh. 10 years. 10 years. Wow. Yeah. I went to... Something yeah. something at the ballroom. Something room. like that, yeah. anyway. 20 different dumplings. How many people? How many uh, 300, vendors? 300 people. 20 different dumpling makers. Representing about 11 different countries. So they had to bring over 300 dumplings each, each. company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. You do the math. That's a lot. Anyway... So, Annie and I decided I would represent Italy. So, E.T. and I are partnering up. No, we're not really. But uh, Italy has what are called gnocchi, which are dumpling. Gnocco, or what they have as dumplings. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to be doing Italian dumplings. And Annie is going to be doing her dumplings. And we're going to go side by side and I think that we should have guests vote. Right, because you're, you're very competitive, as, as is right. Annie. So, no, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Oh, so is. you're going to do side-by-side up here on stage? She'll yeah. cook one, I'll cook one, okay. vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that all you're doing? Is that what people are coming just to watch that one dumpling that you're making? No. Oh. We're doing, what are you doing? doing? Five? No, we're doing, oh, yeah, five. So they get a uh, welcome taste, one from Bridget and one from me. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to demo four each per person. Okay. So different. they get like, yeah, 10 different dumplings. So tell me, Annie, about your dumplings of the evening on the 29th. So for me, for the welcome taste, I'm going to do uh, momos, uh, fried momos, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like... Um, you know, a, a special feature, um, you know, Diki that we use. Diki Tundin, yeah, her Tibetan momos that she yeah. used to make, yeah. Yeah, she used yeah. to make here, and I, I remember I, like, loved it a lot. So uh, it was like a fried, you know, flaky dough, and she usually stuffed them with uh, potato peas and her special spice that mm-hmm. she used to blend herself. Mm-hmm. So I'm making something similar like that and then Bridget Are you going to do the cute little French braid that she always yes. does? The, yeah, oh, she taught me how to do that. I can teach you if you want to know how to do that. Oh, that's, whatever. That's whatever. beautiful. Yeah, and I'm doing How I'm, about you and I have a throwdown? A throwdown. I like it. So uh, I'm doing the gnocco fritto. Oh, for the opening? For the yeah. opening, yeah, which is a fried bread dumpling, just a chunk of bread that's dough right. that's fried right. and it makes these little boats. It's really lay. good with mortadella when it's yeah. warm. Yeah. Or lardo or mm-hmm. prosciutto. Yeah. Yeah. I think we decided to do a prosciutto for you. And then what? Are, what's your next one, Annie? So the next one. So we kind of went through more of like a cooking uh, method. The next one we're doing like a brothy one. And I'm doing a uh, enormous pork and lapchang wonton soup. Bridget's going to do the pork and veal tortellini and brodo. Oh, fun. So you just take the ground pork and you wrap it around a piece of Chinese sausage, the lapchang? Yes, and also pork fat chunk uh-huh. chopped in it too. Oh, good. Oh, wow. yeah, it's nice and, and it fatty. come off like a soup dumpling or is it yeah. more? Okay. Uh, no, it's it's, it's a, a wonton. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. broth. Yeah. yeah. And Bridget, how about you? I'm doing the um, I'm doing a crispy potato gnocchi, and we're gonna do because it's the season a nice corn sauce mm. with fresh corn and a little bit of cream and mm. onions. Yeah, cream corn. It's an Italian classic. <laughs> okay, next up, Annie. Uh, so like with the pansy one, I'm doing a seared beet pot sticker with kabocha squash filling. Nice. 
Um, so the beet is in the in the in the dough in the wrap. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So we're gonna use beet powder to make the dough, um, the beet color. Mm-hmm. Um, and then well, next, fun. One. What's uh, what's your answer mine's to that? A, yeah, Bridget? mine's a crispy for the pans. Here it is a crispy potato. I jumped ahead, and then we're doing my next one steamed. And for the steamed, I'm gonna do Kenderly. which is what. Canderly are bread dumplings, and uh-huh. they traditionally come from that mountainous region uh, between Austria and the Dolomites, and also over in the uh, Valdosta area. And they take that bread, pick it apart, and then they f- fold in ham, cream, mm-hmm. cheese, and those are poached like matzo ball, kind of. Oh, my. I've never had one of those. They're delicious. Hopefully you can top that, Annie. Oh, whatever. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm going to do steamed pearl shrimp and water chestnut dumplings. Uh-huh. Oh, those are good. Yeah. Like a, um, what's that Chinese uh, crystal dumpling with the shrimp inside? Yeah. So yeah. this one, instead of wrappers. Hagao is what I was thinking. Yeah. But this one, instead of wrappers, it's going to be with um, glutinous rice wrap on the outside. So it looks like a pearl ball. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. So it can be gluten free for whoever who wants to eat dumplings and don't want to eat the wrappers. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. You have an She's answer for creative. that? I do. I do. So nudie is another dumpling that they make in Italy. and it's That's what my grandson Hercules always likes to do. He likes to run around nudie. <laughs> <laughs> kind of looks that way. But up. Uh, so nudie <laughs> comes from Tuscany. It comes from Abruzzo, uh, Umbria. And it's traditionally made with whatever the greens are. Of that fall, mm-hmm. little spinach, fresh ricotta, and it's this beautiful veggie dumpling. Yeah. Now, when I've had those in the past, uh, they've come out really smooth on the outside. How do you get that smooth kind of ball texture so it's not rough? So, what's just in semolina? No, they get rolled in uh, all-purpose flour. Oh. So as you form them, you, you roll them in a log like you would traditional gnocchi. Mm-hmm. You cut your little dumplings and you tumble them through white flour. And so it gives kind of almost like velveting for yeah. Asian cuisine. And so when you cook them, all of the flour falls off except that little bit on the outside. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Annie, do you have anything uh, sweet to finish up with? Sweet ones, we're not doing for this one. We actually have another sweet dumpling class that I'm doing with uh, Stacy Fortner on oh, Saturday. Uh-huh. So we're saving that for that class. I see. Yeah. That will be a major throwdown. We'll have to have Stacy here next week and yeah. go over the, the sweet dumplings. Isn't it interesting? You stayed in Italy. You kind of went pan-Asia, right? Or, yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah. you kind of went uh, above and uh, beyond yeah. one particular country. I have a bigger oh. continent. So I can beat her. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) So if you were to make uh, your favorite dumpling, Mm -hmm. uh, both of you, which which dumpling at the end of the day? Like for me, there's a recipe in my first book, uh, gnocchi recipe, that I just love. And it comes out perfect every time if you follow the directions. And I just think it's so delicious with this time of year with a fresh tomato sauce. uh, It's the best. Yeah, it's just the best. And so... What one would you pull out? Because you make a lot of dumplings. I do, and I also ate a lot of them when I was younger. Uh Uh, So my favorite one is, you know, my mom used to make it all the time, still does, is she fried wontons. And um, she'll make just, you know, just pork and shrimp filling. But instead of boiling it or steaming it, we deep fry the Mm -hmm. whole thing. Mm -hmm. And And did she drizzle anything on top of those, or they just just Uh, like that? 
it just like like a snacks for all the kids to eat while the adults are busy uh-huh. cooking still. So just like a great thing, Fun. yeah, to keep us busy. And did she give you some nok cham to dip them into? Yes, that or um, sometimes we just have you know hoisin sauce hoisin, sriracha. Yeah. yeah, I always oh, call, awesome. call hoisin Chinese ketchup. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it's just sweet, just like ketchup it is. is. Bridget, awesome. if you had one dumpling to make, what would it be? Uh, I'm with you. I mean, I I love the nudie. It's a little more complex to uh-huh. make, but the potato, the potato gnocchi, and in the fall, man, with the chanterelles coming in, it's just delicious. And I I was taught by this woman Luciana in Italy, up in the north. In the Veneto, and she taught me to add uh, ricotta, mm-hmm. a little scoop of ricotta to the potato helps bind it. And I don't make little dumpling marks, you know, little gnocchi yeah, marks. Yeah, I don't either. I keep them square as pillows and just uh-huh. perfectly. Big pillows or little pillows? Big pillows. Because mine, my recipe calls for fairly big pillows, and yeah. I could go either way on that. But I also love them panned browned. We oh. did. Um, What's with the chicken schnitzel the other night? We did the Austrian the spetzel the and then oh, pan fried yeah. that yeah. brown. Get a little crispy. Austrian dumpling, essentially. Yeah. And uh, I love that pan fried. Yeah, I do dumpling. too. Yeah. Just an extra step, though, Tom. I understand, but with sage, you know, a little fresh yeah. sage. Toasted sage, it's true. Lovely. And sometimes people don't do this enough, but switch out your regular butter for goat butter. And it just oh, adds a little fragrance, a, uh, that, a pleasant fra- fragrance. And adds a little bit more flavor than butter does, even so, and it browns up like uh, brown butter. But it's more expensive. It's not not much, not because you don't use that much. <laughs> yeah, you cheapskate. All right, next up, it's uh, food for thought, tasty trivia, brought to you by Rub with Love Spice Rubs on Cairo awesome. Radio. It's the Hot Stove awesome. Society Show, ninety-seven three FM. Welcome back to the Hot Stove Society Show. Last segment of the day. Nice. It's time for a Rub with Love Food for Thought Tasty Trivia. We at Rub with Love are here to help with that quick weeknight blast of flavor to help get dinner on the table. I You would be surprised how often I open a jar of my own rub because I have 20 different flavors. and, and uh, It's true. I, I do it all the time. We've gotten- you can pick some up at your local butcher like Don and Joe's down at the Pike Place Market. Or next week on the last week at Mutual Fish, you can go get some salmon rub. Or Double D Meats in Mount Lake Terrace. Or place an order on our website, TomDouglas.com, where you can also find tips and recipes and videos of how to use Rub With Love. Ah. All right, let's play Tasty Trivia. If you want to be uh, understand the rules, as simple as this. You drag two audience members out of the audience. We only have two today. We They're have two, so it's Coming perfect. up to the mic. Uh, and then uh, Bridget will be our third challenger. I'm going to ask three questions or oh, five questions of each okay. of you of the three of you and then uh, whoever wins gets a free stroll except for you okay uh, through our gift shop for three jars of rub perfect on me the other one gets uh, to come over and i will personally sign their forehead with a big l <laughs> for loser all right ladies come on all right up. ladies come on over all right we have uh, lynn and kathy from our audience have joined Yay! on the microphone Yay! Yay! let's give them a big round of applause uh, we're going to start with Bridget, so you're sure of how to play this this okay. game. Okay. Okay. 
and right. that way you'll know oh, here, just how score poorly you can be. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Bridget. Yes, Tom. Are you ready for Food for Thought Tasty Trivia Let's brought go. to you by the Tasty Rub with Love Spice Rub line? Yes. Sauces and mustards. Which cocktail is made from light rum, lime juice, and simple syrup? Daiquiri. You are correct. Which alcohol, according to experts, goes best with salty, fatty foods? Alcohol. Yeah. Vodka. Vodka. <gasps> I would think that that would be correct. But you are wrong. It is oh. champagne. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, but it's... Is it an alcohol per yes. se? Yes, oh, it is. Right. I, I was going to say I think wine champagne. is considered alcohol. Here, woulda, coulda, gonna. That was a trick. That was you know, woulda, coulda, gonna don't work here. <laughs> I guess if he had said spirit, then it would have been alcohol. Bridget, mooncakes are traditionally eaten during which season? Winter. You are incorrect. The fall. Number four for Bridget. Uh, the first KFC, which stands for? Kentucky Fried Chicken. Right, was introduced to the public in which decade? It's about when you were born. I want to say the 60s. Yeah, well, you'd be wrong. 50s. 50s. Wrong. 40s? 30s. Oh! Oh, man. They had bad taste way back He was then. baiting me. He was totally baiting you me. You should have picked up on that one. Sure. <laughs> uh, so I believe you have one out of four so far. Correct. One out of four, oh, correct. Okay, I'm not going to look at his face as he reads the question. All right, question, question number five. Which of these steaks is also known... As a hanger steak, T-bone, porterhouse, onglet. The third one. The onglet, O-N-G-L-E-T. You're correct. sure? 100%. You're sure? 100% sure. You are correct. <gasps> oh. All right, two out of five for Miss Bridget. Yay! Ladies, do you All think right, you thanks, can top ladies. this? Thanks, no. ladies. I'll go first. Lynn's yeah. going to go first. Lynn's going first. Thanks, Lenny. Okay, Lynn, here we are. How's your day been so far at the Hot Stove Radio Show? Awesome. Would you suggest it to anybody else? Everybody. Everybody. Else. We've been here two times. Good. So far. You're yeah. a winner, Lynn. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Brown noser, too. Lynn, what kind of meat <laughs> is used to make a cottage pie? It's not cottage cheese, I can tell you that. I would say beef. You are correct. <gasps> nice. Oops, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm speaking from You're a vegetarian? past history. Yeah. I only eat meat myself. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about that because I saw an ad for the my big fat Greek wedding, and it's one of the best lines ever. What is it? When when he says uh, she offers him something at the big gala, and, and he says she offered him lamb, or no, she offered him dinner. She's and he says to her, "I'm a vegetarian," and she says, "Well, the, you'll have the lamb then." Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Pilsner beer, Lynn. Pilsner beer originates from which country? Pilsner Germany. beer, Germany. It's a good guess, but it's incorrect. Sorry. The Czech Republic. Wow. You took your adversary's advice, Kathy? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, just put your hand up. So I was you going to, to say Austria, but yeah. so. Uh, which chef stars in the TV show Kitchen Nightmares? He might be my least favorite chef on television. He's I can on, he's picture on like him, the Paramount lot. I, the, I can picture him. Doesn't he have okay. blonde hair? Mm-hmm. Oh. He's old. Probably as old as me. I'm, I don't remember his name. All right, name. Gordon Ramsay. Oh. oh. See, now I know. Yeah, he's now also I remember. Saying, right. Yeah. I don't like the way he treats people. Yeah. yeah really? if, if, I think it's part of the shtick, Tom. Well, whatever. Hopefully. Would you ever want to work in a restaurant if he was the nope. chef? No. <laughs> I went through that. All right, already. you are <laughs> one for three so far. You're racing Bridget, to the, okay. racing Bridget to the bottom. Oh. <laughs> All right, uh, here's your fourth question. Tequila, <gasps> triple sec, and lime are the ingredients of which 
cocktail. And the, the song maker just passed away, sadly. Well, Margarita. Margarita. Oh, yeah. God rest his soul. I don't All right, have two a good for history. four, two for four. Last question. This is how you can top Miss... Uh, you only got one for five, right? I got, I got uh, two. two. Two for five, okay. Lynn Highland Spring is a brand which produces what drink? Mm. Gin? I've what drink? Gin? Drink. Well, water. Oh, I was going to say water. <laughs> <laughs> well. All right. You and Bridget. Hey, we're tied. Oh, no. Tied up. Nice tied job. Tied at the bottom. Okay. Zero for five. Kathy, yes. it's all coming down to you. Oh, man. For a stroll. For a, a, a victory stroll. Victory stroll through our gift shop. I'm going to just sheepishly walk away. All right. Here we go. This is a little tricky one. Oh. Caesar salad comes from which country? Mexico. You are correct. Nice job. Almost everyone says Italy, and it's just not the case. Uh, Rioja wine comes from which country? Spain. You are correct again. Two for two. She's on a roll. Wow. All right. Uh, Are you a fisher person? As in. Like to cook seafood? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So what is the main ingredient of Gravlox? Main ingredient of Gravlox. Mackerel. Mackerel. Good guess. But incorrect. <laughs> it would be salmon. Oh. So lox is a smoked, soft, oh, okay. cold smoked salmon. Gravlox is just cured salmon. Usually with dill Learned or fennel. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, this is an easy one because I've stayed at this hotel. The Waldorf salad was created in which U.S. city? New York. New York City wow. at the Waldorf Astoria Victoria. Hotel. So you are ready or the, or the winner even before you get your fifth question. Okay, here we go. And uh, Heineken beer, which is brewed all over the world, was first brewed where? Don't mm. do you don't drink tell Heineken? Her, Lynn. Don't no, tell I, her. Lynn. I'm a micro gal. You're a micro gal. Ribbons. There you go. Um, Heineken was first brewed. Yes. Amsterdam. Uh, I'll give it to you. The That's Netherlands. Pretty, yeah. So oh, yes, yes. I'll give it to you. It. Nice we job. You are the winner today. Congratulations to Kathy. Nice. Uh, with a C, which stands for classy. Oh, thank you. There you you go. don't know me then. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh-huh. Nice if, job. If you want to be part of the show like Lynn Yay! and Kathy, you can uh, be a part, be a part, be a part. YouTube Live at Tom Douglas and Co. Or buy a ticket to join us in the studio at hotstovesociety.com. Oh. The show is produced by the whole team here at Tom Douglas and Co. Sean McFadden is our technical wizard. And our talented editor at Cairo is Sean. Please don't call me Dottori. And the trivia today was put together by Liz. Thanks, Liz. Oh, Liz, nice job. Also, remember, if you miss any episode of our Hot Stove Society show in Cairo, you can listen via podcast. Just subscribe with your favorite podcast app. Uh, Bridget, thanks for filling in for Chef Terry. Thanks for listening. Safe travels to our pal in the hat. Awesome. Awesome.